History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Hello, Biblical Citizens. Hey, do you know that today is our one-year anniversary of this show, and we're really enjoying it. We get such great guests. Listen to all the people (laughs) applauding out there. It's unbelievable. I want to just really quickly share a success story related to activism. You guys might have noticed in California a couple weeks ago, all of a sudden, all the uh, Caltrans signs, the electronic signs, were all saying, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. And regardless of how you feel about the vaccine, that is illegal to use any message other than what's related to highway safety. So Peggy Hall, we've had her on our show of the Healthy American organized a write-in campaign just over a few days, and we participated in that. And within two or three days, all those signs were removed. So yes, you can have an impact. Today we have a very important topic And it's related to what can we do as biblical citizens to protect and defend our God-given freedoms for future generations. I'm sure all of us who are parents or grandparents would say, well, we have to properly raise and educate our children. But that gets to what happens during the day in the public schools if if they're indoctrinated with anti-Christian propaganda for 12-plus years, not even considering college, Is that really doing our best? Now, a lot of you are probably currently doing homeschooling. Well, today we're going to discuss other alternatives to the teacher union-dominated public schools, and our guest is Stephen Smith. He's Director of Communications for California School Choice, a two-year-old organization based in L.A., which seeks to really reform our California education system and how to do it through greatly expanded student and parent choice. So welcome, Stephen. Tell us a little bit about your background and what led to the founding of California School Choice. Why, thank you very much. And first, let me go happy birthday to you. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Congratulations. How exciting. That is is exciting. I know there's got to be a cake around here somewhere. But anyway, yeah. It's been really fun this last year. Before we light that candle... Uh, actually, for me, it may have started when I was in junior high. I've been in choirs nearly all of my life, uh, church choirs of nearly every denomination you can imagine, and uh, high school, college, you name it, I did it. And way back when, when I was in junior high, a ruling came out, you know, they had to take prayer out of schools, but they also had to rewrite the text of, of famous music literature. As you may know, some of the greatest music literature, literature in history was around, for example, the, the text from uh, the Mass that are typically done by, by Catholics. There's so many wonderful music programs, and we were forced to go in and change the words wherever there was a reference to, uh, to God or anything that came out of the Bible. Back when I was in junior high, 
And I was just outraged because I thought they were rewriting history and destroying our culture. Yep. I didn't even have the concept of what was happening with religion. And I went to the vice principal. I'm in junior high. This is crazy. And and complained. And can't you do something? You know, you are you are harming our culture. You're just you're rewriting history. It's not right. And oh. well, what can I do? And I think for me, it may have started that day when I went into the principal's office and complained. Um, you know, going forward more recently, uh, I happened to make a decision to run for Congress because where I lived, I've never saw a candidate that uh, wasn't a, a leftist Democrat uh, on my ballot. So I went to uh, the Republican Party in this case and said, how come you haven't put anybody up? And I was actually a decline to state. And the answer was, why don't you do it? So I and I said, okay. So I ended up running against Javier Becerra. You may be familiar oh. with him. Oh, yeah. And he was our attorney general yeah, two right. times, 2010 and 2012. And I actually debated him. Debated him and uh, and I'd never done this. I was working retail for Radio Shack, so nobody would think of me as being you know, a politically astute person. And I guess he wasn't prepared, but even his own people thought I won the debate. I got all the attention afterwards. But the numbers to overcome was just too great. At the same time, the gentleman I'm working principally with, uh, Michael Alexander, uh, was getting involved in uh, a program. He was sort of one of the founders of the Tea Party in, uh, in the Pasadena area, but basically trying to get rid of parcel taxes, that kind of uh, reform. And I told him back then that the moment each he decides to tackle school choice, I'm with him. Yay. One of the reasons I became very upset is I started going around the district, and I was running in northeast Los Angeles. And I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary called Waiting for Superman. Are you mm -mm. familiar with that? No. I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't actually seen it. Yeah. Great. This gentleman actually went to the 10 worst schools in the country and tracked what was happening to the students and tracked what was happening should there be alternate education. And as it turns out, two of the worst schools in the entire United States is in the district that I was running for. Oh, wow. So I made a, a point of going to those schools, uh, talking to kids as I could, and certainly talking to the principal and a few of the teachers, and got a drift of what was going on. And they, they were referred to outside of those campuses as failure factories. And yet I would go to a religious education school or even a charter school in the very same neighborhood and where the kids were failing horribly in the other schools, they were thriving in that different environment. And that's when I absolutely knew that we had to have school choice and make it available to uh, everyone as an option in education rather than having to follow their zip code in terms of where they go to school and also make sure that it was available to people who uh, normally couldn't afford private education. And that shall we see the start. So two it's years It's the ago, number Brian one, says, it's called the number one civil rights issue of our time. And regardless of what the disinformation media says, I think it clearly is the number one civil rights issue of our time. Well, and I want to really commend you for standing up even when you were in middle school. Wow, I, I really relate to that story. I've been in choirs my whole life, and I, some of my best memories of high school and junior high were being in the choir and being in the orchestra 
And we were in a, a choir in school with 4,000 other high school students from all around California. That was one of my m- most memorable uh, memories. And, and, and no, they shouldn't change the words. That's terrible. So you noticed it from very early on, and then you took the initiative both back then and recently with school choice. And Brian and I have really believed in school choice for a long time. And I, I used to be on the board of a charter school. And, yes, they do way better when the education is tailored just to them. So let's talk about some of the the problem, the other problems of why we need school choice and how much better a, a school choice is than what's currently available. Um, so one of your well, advisors, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Stephen. Well, no, if you were, if you were, you know, going to it, there's several basic problems and unfortunately all of them is is very very serious i think you were going to mention for example sex education i'll expand on that more later if we would like to yeah really uh, the act well go ahead go ahead but yeah i did want to i did well let, since you brought that up let's let's take one or two of them at a time let's take that one the the point is it's it's really radical sex ed and we don't have time and uh, don't want to go into i i just heard rebecca friedrichs actually two nights ago give a pretty graphic update on this all the way at the kindergarten level, but a couple points. It's not easy for parents to opt out, is it? And also, it's not easy for parents to get honest answers about the curriculum if if their kids are in the public school. Uh, actually, opting out is very difficult. I, I believe you're familiar with uh, Gina Gleason and her Real Impact organization and Karen England and her Capital Resource Institute, and they've put a tremendous amount of effort in putting together a program, having posted documents that parents can fill out uh, in order to have their children be able to opt out of the state-mandated sex education that has now been passed by our legislature. Uh, Before, it was only regular public schools. Now that it's, it's, it's also including charter schools, and I'm familiar with, a, for example, a, uh, a classic uh, conservative Catholic school that's undergoing accreditation process right now, and under the accreditation, now they're being forced to do it, even though they're not by the state, the accredited, if you want to be accredited, wow. you got to include these things now, and it, it's really quite shocking. In terms of the specifics, it's incredibly age-inappropriate, um, yeah. and they're doing it without you know, parents consent. Parents can try to opt out. It is possible. It is hard. But what happens is the social pressure that's put on the kids uh, and on the parents was terribly unfair. If you're not attending that class, uh, you know, your fellow classmates are going to be pretty hard on you. You know how kids can be. It's very, very difficult. And it's and it's hard for parents to even find out what the curriculum is, isn't it? And I know there is a book called It's Perfectly Normal, and that is a horrible book, teaching kids about masturbation and all these other things. And I know that's in some school libraries. Is that part of the curriculum? I mean, that's really a problem, just and to uh, even it, finding it, out what it is. And we're talking elementary kids. Yeah. We're talking element. We're talking lower elementary kids. Um, so that's yeah, one. The, the, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. The law basically is talking about seventh grade, but they can do it as early as they want, and they are. Uh, so one more th- topic before the break is this idea of Rebecca Friedrichs. She's started this whole idea. Well, she's an outspoken proponent of it, and she's on your board 
of getting teachers out of the teachers' union so they don't have so much influence. Uh, she has this adoptive teacher program where you can get to know your teacher and, and get them to pull out because they have too much money. So if teachers, and a lot of them don't even know this, right, that they can opt out of paying those union dues. Uh, so, But doesn't, uh, Stephen, doesn't California school choice, won't that help reduce the yes. control of the teachers' unions? Uh, well, absolutely, because private education uh, does not have teachers' unions. And the biggest enemy of school choice will be the teachers' unions, uh, because they'll be losing uh, teachers to private education and religious education, where history has shown that when this is brought in and funded in the ways that we're looking at it, teachers can actually make more money, uh, generally with smaller class sizes. Uh, so it's very, very exciting. But the they basically control, I hate to say it, but Sacramento. The Most of the teachers' union dues uh, go to fund uh, campaigns, uh, you know, for very left-wing, I, I shouldn't say Marxist, but it's, that's it what is it looks Marxist. like to me. But, but, uh, it, but it actually... But it actually is. You know, we're at our we're at our break time right now, but stay tuned, folks, because we're going to get to the solution now. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Milanakis on K-Praise. We are back with Stephen Smith, Director of Communications for California School Choice, which is seeking to really reform our our school system through parental choice and student choice. And man, we don't have that right now to any significant degree. Stephen, the key focus of California School Choice, as I, as I can read and see, is to qualify a school choice proposition for the state ballot to bypass our one-party state legislature, which, as you were starting to say before the break, is totally teacher union dominated, and go directly to the people. So tell us some of the key features of this proposal that you have. Well, we are very, very excited about it. In the state of California, uh, it's mandated in the Constitution uh, under Proposition 98 that 40% of all uh, expenditures by the state must go to education. So what we are proposing is that that money be divided equally among every single student, K through 12, and we might be moving to TK through 12, uh, in the state of California, and that money will be put into a, a, a trust account, which is normally described as an educational savings account, and that money can be directed by the parents to the school of their choice. Now, this is an opt-in program, so they can remain in the public school just as they were before. But if they want out, they can opt in, and that money can be used to pay the tuition at a private school or a, or a religious school of their choice. And under the current budget, that would be approximately $13,000 per student per year being deposited into that account that they can be used to pay tuition. There's another really exciting feature about it, because we know K-7 through doesn't cost nearly as much as higher education does. 
And typically, that's six, seven thousand dollars at most uh, most schools, especially like parochial schools. And that money accumulates. And if there's money left over in the account, that money can be used upon uh, graduation or actually 18 years old uh, for college or vocational training. So it, it can act as a college fund as well as paying for education. And the other great news: there is absolutely zero financial impact to the taxes. We're not asking for any money, more money, any new money. We're just asking parents to be able to uh, direct where their education dollars are being spent so they can get it away from these uh, tragedies that we're experiencing in public education. That would be just a fantastic thing for parents, for the money to follow the student, and then they can spend it. That's better than a voucher system because then the government still has some control if it's a voucher, but if it's actually the money. And I know from my sister's experience that one of the deterrents of teachers going to private schools is they usually pay less. So this would even that out. And it would uh, that would just be. I didn't. Fantastic. I didn't even think about that. But private and religious schools, if they so chose, could afford to pay more competitive salaries to their teachers. Exactly. I, I didn't. I didn't and, even think of that. And take away that money from those those teacher union leaders that are corrupting everything. So Stephen, so what do we need to do to get this on the ballot? And I'll just, let me just interject. We've been we've been quite involved in the recall Gavin Newsom campaign. Uh, total statewide, well over 2 million signatures were gathered. Many, many people said it could not be done. You'd never get those signatures, but we did. I mean, we collectively Absolutely. as a group did it. It will be on the ballot. Uh, so what do you need to do to qualify this education choice initiative? And if you, not if you do, when you do, uh, when will it be on the ballot? Okay, excellent question. I do want to give one quick promo because we need to say it a few times. Our website is californiaschoolchoice.org, californiaschoolchoice.org. You can go there, click volunteer, and get on our list so we can contact you when it's time to go out and start working those tables or knocking those doors. Uh, Basically, for this to pass, we need to qualify a million signatures, which means we need to gather a million and a half. The cycle works like this. You send the initiative to the Secretary of State uh, for uh, title and summary. Uh, Typically, they get it back within 90 days. And once you get it back, you have 120 days to uh, gather those signatures. So once once it goes out, we have to be working very, very hot and heavy. The good news is we're very working very closely uh, with uh, several of the uh, Recall Newsom uh, people because they already have an army that believes in school choice uh, with almost without oh, any you exceptions. Bet. Yeah. So that's that part's very ex- uh, uh, very exciting. Um, uh, the uh, Calvary Chapel people, Gina Gleason, Real Impact is is committed to uh, working on our behalf when we have the when we get the initiative back. Uh, it's a little different than the Gavin Newsom. You can't print it yourself because it's a multi-page document, but they have to put it on one page, so it's going to be like a map that folds up. So we're going to have to get those printed ourselves and get them distributed. It's no, so it's going to be a little more complex that way when we get forward. And, of course, we're going to need uh, to be able to do those kinds of things, uh, pretty significant funding. We do have a, a donate section, and that's appropriate. 
Uh, I believe the Newsom people collected probably around $5 million. I'm guessing we're going to need about seven. They had an mm. advantage that we did not have is that they were able to get an extension because of the COVID-19 issues. Right, so that's right. So they, they basically had term two terms to collect it, and that was very exciting. But what was most important for that to be successful as well was the volunteers who were so active early before the, uh, the, the professionals, shall we say, as they called themselves, came into it, they'd already gathered a million signatures. So they were well on the way. So uh, when, when the traditional people started getting involved and doing the mailings, uh, they had the, uh, the volunteers, the ordinary people like you and I, that were out there just working the streets because it was in our hearts, had done a whole lot of heavy lifting. I, I think if there's one thing we know, they proved that we, the people, can do it if we choose. Absolutely. So you have not as many signatures that you have to collect, but and not but not as much time to do that either. Well, it's about it works out to about the same three months for a million signatures, million and a half, or yeah, four, four four months, basically, 120 days. 120 yeah. days. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. roughly a little bit the same. But anyway, it's a challenge, and we need to get out there, volunteers, sign up. Get out there. Um, explain a little bit more about how this is beneficial to homeschool parents that are already homeschooling. And I understand that because of COVID, the shutdown and the teachers union, union holding schools hostage and keeping the masks on the kids and all the things that they've done, that that the attendance at, at public school has been reduced by 10%. Yeah, like, an additional an additional, an additional 10%, 10% during COVID. Of kids have pulled out. Yeah. So that's really good, isn't yep. it? Yep, that was from but, Rebecca Friedrichs, right. But how can how is this school choice going to help those parents and and well, I can see homeschoolers with, with the education savings accounts. That's a big uh, Well, how, yeah, how does that work? Right exactly. I I'm going to I I am one of those people that are always pace, uh, painfully honest. I would say about 50% of the homeschoolers want nothing to do with any government money for fear of interference. Really? So I would say in general, uh, yeah, about I, I, I half of them will that. not want to participate. Yep. However, since they are not a qualified school, they cannot use the money for uh, expenditures if they opt in for expend, expenditures for education. But it does accumulate. So somebody, if they were starting, say, you know, in kindergarten, they could have one hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty thousand dollars there waiting for college when they're ready to graduate, and that's pretty exciting. There's some other adaptations yeah. too. There are charter schools that basically work out of homeschool, and that's that's sort of working the traditional way. There's a new program that's been happening. They call it Pods in California. In Arizona, they called it Micro Schools. And what's happening in, in Arizona is, say, one person will decide to start a micro school, and he'll get several. Uh, qualified teachers, and they'll get 10 children in someone's home, and they're a registered school, regular accredited school. They get the paperwork, and they get one teacher per 10 kids. So you get a student-teacher ratio of 10 to 1. They come in with the uh, the books and the materials already, and uh, Basically, their administrative costs are maybe only 3 or 4% of revenues. They're using the school choice money that Arizona has. They have like one of those uh, cards, you know, like the, that they have, uh, the, what do they call it, ET something cards, I'm forgetting right now. 
And that's how they're getting it. But that is a great is idea. I love the idea of micro schools, and we don't have a lot of time. But uh, okay, uh, I'll, let me go just, real quick. So, any money us. that they have left over goes to the teachers. The teachers in our program could be making one hundred and twenty thousand oh, dollars wow. a year if they go micro school. So, uh, so and, Steve, and, let's let's touch one more time because we're in our last. And what a better education! Le- less than a minute. Uh, review again about going to your website. CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org, I believe it's forward slash volunteer. And what are some ways, review again, what are some ways people can help out? Well, also you can go to donate uh, because we certainly need money. We can do recurring donations or just a one time, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, This kind of projects, it's statewide, it's very, very expensive. But right now we need people uh, to man locations. Think about where you might want to work. Is there a corner that you'd like to set up a tent and have a table and collect? We're getting banners and that kind of thing made now. But a lot of this is grassroots. You're going to have to do it yourself. Think of locations. Uh, volunteer. Con- contact us. Let them know where you want to be working. We'll get you your location on the calendar when we're ready to run. Excellent. So, so- we need everyone's help. Uh, even if you're spending two hours a day or two hours a week, you're valuable to us. This can really transform our state. It can transform our state. I am so excited about this. Thank you so much, Stephen. We look forward to having you on the program again as we make progress. That's that's terrific. Folks, if we can pass this measure, I think more Christian and patriotic families are going to be encouraged to stay in California and not think they have to flee to supposedly greener pastures. To bless your neighbor this week, go to CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org. You can host an event, you can make phone calls, you can donate. Be a part of this worthy cause. Till next week, bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K-Praise.